Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Tuesday, September 19th. On this date in 1989, the Library of Congress announced the first 25 of 75 films named to the new National Film Registry. The registry was established to get high-quality copies of films to make sure they would be preserved. The first group included Gone with the Wind, The Maltese Falcon, and Citizen Kane. And here's your morning trivia on this Tuesday. On this date in 1981, two singers who'd gone their own ways reunited for a free concert in New York's Central Park. More than 400,000, yes, 400,000 people turned out. Can you name the singers? I'll have that answer coming up. But first, let's check in with the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center for your forecast. All right, headed out the door this morning. We are starting out very comfortable. Good Tuesday morning. I'm meteorologist Joey Sofine. 50s and 60s this morning, warming in the low 80s at lunchtime, up in the low to mid 80s with a sunny sky this afternoon. We'll cool back down very comfortable this evening. Tomorrow, high around 85. Now, starting Thursday, small chance of a shower. We'll watch a coastal storm. Could bring some showers and breezy conditions Friday and Saturday for the first day of fall. Looks like second half of the weekend should be dry and warmer with a high around 84. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast, powered by the Low Country's news leader, Life 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. Less than a month away from the state Supreme Court's decision on South Carolina's gerrymandering case in the first congressional district. This comes after federal judges say the district was intentionally drawn to discriminate against black voters. In January, a panel of three judges ruled the district, which includes parts of Charleston, Colleton, Berkeley, Beaufort, and Jasper counties, is an unconstitutional unconstitutional racial gerrymander and was purposely drawn by Republican legislature following the 2020 census and a way to exclude more than 30,000 black voters. In a Live 5 exclusive interview, Democratic candidate Mac DeFord, who's looking to unseat Republican Congresswoman Nancy Mace, says the maps show clear gerrymandering and he thinks it's ridiculous the state of South Carolina is challenging it to begin with. We have a lot of work to do and that um, it, it really requires taking an honest look at how we uh, go about uh, drawing our congressional lines. Uh, I do think that it would be really hard for the Supreme Court to overturn this decision. I mean, when you look at the fact that uh, the state legislator had uh, surveys and uh, studies done, that showed that if the Charleston County portion was 19% African American, it would be a toss-up district. But if it was 17%, that it would lean Republican. And so... It was 19%, um, the Charleston County portion, and they, that's where they cut the 30,000 African-American voters out, essentially silencing their voices in our democratic process. And Representative Mace gave Li-Fi this statement on the matter that reads, Congresswoman Mace has consistently been an independent voice for the low country since she took office in 2021. She'll continue to deliver results no matter what the district looks like, end quote. The Supreme Court is set to hear oral arguments for the case starting October 11th. The North Charleston City Council has voted to settle a federal lawsuit filed by a former city staffer. The suit involves sexual advances allegedly made by the mayor. Council members voted 6-2 to two to settle the case brought by former employee Delisa Reynolds against Mayor Keith Summey. It totals $180,000, $130,000 of which will come from the city. The remaining $50,000 comes from the state. Reynolds accuses Summey of a long-standing culture of abuse of power. The original lawsuit stated Summey had inappropriate sexual contact with Reynolds and other female employees. 
Mayor Summey was not there for the settlement, and council members didn't discuss that decision publicly. Jerome Hayward and Virginia Jameson were the only council members to vote against the settlement. The city did not respond to a request for comment, but has previously denied the allegations. We've got an update on that missing F-35 jet a lot of folks at home are talking about. Joint Base Charleston has confirmed a Life 5 that a debris field was found two hours northeast of the base in Williamsburg County. Several agencies helped in that search for the military jet, but the base did not provide a more specific area where the debris was spotted. Life 5 sent crews to Old Georgetown Road and Bartels Road, where they saw officials block the road, as you can see here. This is not the first incident involving a Buford Base F-35. In September of 2018, an F-35B crashed near Little Barnwell Island due to a manufacturing defect. We're now getting an update on the plan for the Union Pier in downtown Charleston about three months after the South Carolina Ports Authority hit the pause button on the project. Live 5 Skylar Hill brings us the latest on the site's timeline and how officials plan to further involve the community. Now, this has been a highly debated topic by city officials and community members for such a long time now. Now, the timeline was given out by the committee to let the people know when they can have their voices heard. So during this period, the public will have a chance to share their suggestions for what they want to see on the Union Pier. Member of the Union Pier Stakeholder Advisory Committee, Bob O'Neill, says they are working to make sure efforts continue to keep the public involved. It's a very tight timeline to start with, but we're trying to make sure we get the sequencing right. Officials had previously pitched a plan for a 65-acre plot of land that would create a mixed-use district for housing, retail, commercial, and office space. Port officials say a lot of requests from the public blended together into the same three topics. Lowered building heights, reduced square footage, and more affordable housing on the pier. It's going to be a very fine line is to move this along as quickly as we can. But doing it in the sequence, that's going to be necessary to get to the end of the day where we have approval. After the feedback is given, a union peer planned unit development plan will then be given to the technical review committee, which includes two reviews. Now, this is going to be a long process that requires several steps to get approval from several committees. Now, if you want to have your thoughts heard, you can head to our website at live5news.com and send an email to a union peer advisory committee to have your thoughts heard. Reporting in downtown Charleston, I'm Skylar Hill, Live 5 News. Voting opens for the runoff in the open state Senate District 42 seat. As a reminder for voters out there, you can cast your vote in this runoff election. None of the initial three Democratic candidates in the primary got more than half of the votes that were needed to get the nomination. So the runoff features state representatives Wendell Gilliard and Dion Tedder. Polls open this morning at 7 a.m. at your designated precincts. They'll remain open until 7 p.m. The winner of the runoff election will face off against Republican Rosa Kay in the general election on November 7th. Speaking of voting, today is National Voter Registration Day, and the South Carolina Board of Voter Registration and Elections is teaming up with the College of Charleston to get you to register. The two are holding an event on campus at the Cougar Mall from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. to provide free voter service and a couple of giveaways. Those who swing by will have the opportunity to register to vote and update their voter registration information. Officials say the event will be a platform to educate and empower the newest generation of voters, many of whom will be taking part in their very first elections.
The town of Mount Pleasant has some plans for a new recreational site to take over part of Rifle Range Road Park. Some people living there, though, are concerned about the conservation of green spaces and the local wildlife. The town says that $40 million project has something for everyone, including a gymnasium, picnic pavilions, and pickleball courts. Officials say only about 53 of the 240 acres will be developed, sparing some of the trees and walking trails. Town officials say the plan could be slightly changed once they finish meeting with the design team, which started this month. Some Dorchester County homeowners are pushing for safety regulations along retention ponds in residential areas. This conversation was sparked by the death of a toddler after being found near a pond at the Cooper's Ridge apartment complex. This is the second time a child in Dorchester County has been pulled from a retention pond in the past two months. Neighbors want to see barriers around the pond, but there are no existing statewide laws that require safety measures. County officials say that kind of work is approved through individual HOAs, developers, or businesses. The city of Charleston wants to hear from you. City leaders are hosting two community open house events to get your input on the launch of its Peninsula plan. The goal there is to shape the future of the peninsula over the next 10 to 20 years. Y5's Destiny Kennedy is in Charleston at the International Longshoremen's Association, where today's meeting will take place. So, Destiny, tell us more about what's going to be discussed. Good morning, Katie and Shelby. These meetings are to really give the public a chance to have a say in what the future of the peninsula will look like moving forward. Some of the focus areas the community are looking forward to including is mobility, with fo which focuses on the streets and how the city can improve people's ability to get around safely and efficiently. Neighborhood designs for current and future developments and changes in the next few years, plus looking how water is not only a hazard to the city, but how it also benefits the community. I'm told the city also wants to look into economic development to support a resilient and equitable economic ecosystem going forward. These open house events will be held here at the International Longshoremen Association Local 1422. The first event will take place today from 6 to 9 p.m. and the second on Thursday, September the 21st from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Senior planner for the city of Charleston, Chloe Stuber, says the city is eager to hear from the community. This is the kickoff week, and we really want to hear from everyone about their experiences on the peninsula, good and bad, their ideas, their hopes for the future. Uh, we have our consultant teams here this week, and they're going to be listening and taking notes. Everyone is encouraged to come out to these meetings, and no RSVP is required. Reporting in Charleston, Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. Dorchester District 2 says it's seen an increase in the percentage of students living in poverty over the past several years. It's an increase of 3.3 percent over the past five years. Comparatively, Charleston has seen a decrease in that same number in that time, while Berkeley County's numbers have remained steady. Deputy Superintendent Chad Doherty says the district gets $6.4 million in Title I funding that goes to 18 elementary and middle schools. He offers some explanation for the increase. We have a lot of transients in our district where we have students that are moving from house to house. We have families that will actually be sharing um, housing. And so that, that is a concern for us. Officials say they have a federal program in place to help children who may be transient or homeless. Doherty says the money goes toward reading intervention, reducing class sizes, and professional development. Members of the Goose Creek NAACP and American Civil Liberties Union are calling for transparency in Berkeley County schools. 
This comes after they say 93 books were challenged by a single person. President of the Goose Creek branch of the NAACP, Sharina Haynes, says the district has not been transparent when acknowledging the process of book ban requests. District policy on governing book challenges requires the formation of a nine-member material review committee. Haynes says the group is actively fighting against any unjustified book bans and asks the board to explain how parents can be a part of the book review process. We are expecting our board of elected public officials to be transparent in their reasoning, explain to the parents, students, and overall community how they can be a part of the process and provide clear, concise documentation to ensure that the public knows the goals of the committee and the current makeup of the committees. At this time, we do not know that. The NAACP and ACLU are encouraging concerned citizens to stay involved in the education of their children, like attending school board meetings. Some exciting news for Claflin University in Orangeburg. It's been ranked a top historically black college or university or HBCU. This is the 13th year the institution has been ranked in the top 10 by U.S. News and World Report. It got the number nine spot on this year's list. Founded in 1869, Claflin is South Carolina's oldest HBCU and the first to admit all students regardless of ethnic origin, gender, race, or religion. The university's president said in a statement that the rankings were a test to the collective commitment of the faculty, administrators, staff, and loyal alumni. That's not the only South Carolina college being recognized by the U.S. News & World Report. Columbia College ranked in the best regional university for veterans, best value school in the South, and top performers on social mobility in the South. The college tied for a ranking of 33 out of 124 best regional universities. At the beginning of the show, I mentioned that big reunion concert of two singers at Central Park in New York City on this date in 1981. 400,000 people showed up to see Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel together again. Celebrating birthdays this Tuesday, Righteous Brothers singer Bill Medley is 83. Emergency actor Randolph Mantooth is 78. Actor Jeremy Irons is 75. TV personality Joan London is 73. Country singer Trisha Yearwood is 59, and tonight's show host Jimmy Fallon is 49. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Morning Y'all from Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow.